0: Episode 174 of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Ninefold. Ninefold is a high-performance platform for deploying and hosting Ruby on Rails applications. Ninefold now offers a free tier. Here's how it works. $50 a month is waived from your invoice for all apps that you deploy. So that gives each customer a 1.5 gigabyte server in the U.S. region for free. The platform is built on Ninefold's own infrastructure with servers in the U.S. and Asia-Pacific. Ninefold owns the entire stack from the hardware up. They provide measurably better performance compared to the competition and more economical scaling. Ninefold makes it extremely easy to deploy your Rails app straight from your Git repository. You can either use the online wizard or the command line interface. They've got some great features straight out of the box, including customer support, zero downtime deployment, SSL, Redis, Memcache, load balancers, and firewalls. Visit ninefold.com to deploy your Rails app today. So not only is Ninefold today's uh, opening sponsor, but also our guest. So I wanted to uh, welcome Brittany and Risa to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having us.
2: Thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming on. So I mentioned on some previous episodes that I, you know, know, part of me thinks that I should rename the Ruby on Rails podcast to the Sean eventually tries every sponsor product (laughs) (laughs) and and grows to like it. Because this is a thing, you know, where I, I read the ad a few times and then... You know, I, I tried and then all of a sudden I'm a convert and then I end up making an episode of it. So <laughs> that happened to me with, with the ninefold. I, uh, I read the ads. I have tried it out. I really enjoyed it and said, you know, I, I, this is one of those things that I wish I had tried earlier and figured it'd be a good episode to, uh, to dive into some more detail about.
1: Totally. We're an open book.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, so, well, from the ad, I think it's pretty clear what ninefold is, which is a, is a Uh, rails app hosting service Uh, but why don't we kick off by talking about some of the benefits so if you met a friend at a party in san francisco uh, how would you uh, describe ninefold against something that they were um, familiar with already
1: um no that's that's a that's a great question and something that actually does happen because we're in san francisco and (laughs) all parties are related to tech so i could absolutely be you know Dancing the Harlem Shake and someone asked me about hosting, <laughs> that would absolutely happen. <laughs>
0: if I was better at sound editing right now, I'd like, you know, mix in, turn down turn for water. <laughs> no, but, but
1: um, I, usually what people understand is when you compare it to other things. So a lot of people that are either new to Rails or very experienced with Rails, they're, they're used to the big players in the Rails space. So we hear a lot of Heroku, DigitalOcean, Engine Yard, and so people want to hear a comparison to that. And so, what we often tell people is that we, we're focused exclusively on Rails, so our platform is tuned for Rails, so, you know, we're always on top of all the newest technologies for Rails. Um, we have excellent support, you know, our support is free, and so you're going to talk to someone like Reese or myself as a Rails support engineer, and so it's not kind of a deploy and you're kind of stuck in the middle of an ocean and need help with whatever you need to do, so... We are built for production-grade apps, so our performance is top tier. We own our own data centers, so we have three data centers, and so we own our own hardware. So a lot of our competitors are built on top of other things. So if AWS goes down, so does Heroku. but because we own our own data centers, we have a 99.9% uptime.
0: So let's talk about this support thing for a second. So I sort of feel like there are like two classes of people. There are those that that are are that really embrace support that they they totally take advantage of it and ask every question and use all the services and then there are other people that would like under no circumstances whatsoever ever contact support. Right. And I would I would find myself more in the latter category, I think naturally, which which I don't think is good, like I think I'm missing out. So uh, what, like, what are the typical things that you guys hear during the course of a week from people that are, are using ninefold as part of the support team?
2: Um, well, there's two parts to that. Uh, we have like a chat interface and we have a ticketing system. The ticketing system would be like, um, you know, how do I do XYZ? I think there's a bug or, um, or maybe I set it up wrong. It's usually revo- uh, revolving around, you know, domains. Like how do I add my domain? Um, and then on chat, it's sometimes, most of the times, it's like sales inquiries, uh, which we also handle. Um, but also it's, you know, I deployed my app for the first time or for the nth time, and something happened. Can you please help me figure it out? And, you know, Brittany and myself and our other support engineers on the team, we're all always happy to help. Uh, we try to direct them. You know, we, we prefer to teach, obviously, versus, you know, just hand them the answer. That way, in, in the future, they can be like, "Oh, yeah, you know, Brittany had taught me how to check out the logs, or she showed me the k b articles on how to how to view the logs and now now that I know this information, I can you know use that for later on um but then again, we also have customers who always come on on Fridays and, and chat with us uh because they like us <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have a lot of fun you know, you know chatting with them, um and you know they give us more information about their app uh they give us information about um, you know, what they're working on and what kind of, like, uh, does Ninefold support, you know, Bower install? Or does Ninefold you know, do X, Y, Z? And we're like, oh, yeah, we just implemented X, you know, we, we just implemented that or we're looking into implementing, you know, this new feature, stuff like that. Um,
1: and one thing that you touched on about how there's diff- two different types of people, people that don't expect, like, support to be good or just don't want to deal with support and people that are very dependent on support one thing we do as a Ninefold support team is when someone deploys an app on Ninefold and it fails, within 20 minutes, one of the support engineers will actually look over the app and figure out why it failed, and we'll send a very personal email to that person saying, hey, you know, thanks so much for trying out Ninefold. Looks like you ran a bad migration. You just need to do this in order to, to fix it. And uh, in that email, we'll actually invite them to come on to chat, and it's so funny the reactions you get where like you'll send an email to a person They'll be grateful and they'll come on to chat and it'll be you and they're like, oh my god, you're a real person like that actually cares that my app is going to be successful on Ninefold. So we develop a lot of really cool cool relationships with our customers. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I had that moment, so I got I got that email. <laughs> Go I really I really did. I got that email and I I kind of wondered, wait a second, is this? Am I getting this email because I um, because Ninefold sponsors the show and there's some sort of awareness that I'm in this. <laughs> Or is this the thing? And then I figured out that this was just the normal deal after a little bit. But, you know, I totally get that. That's exactly how I felt. Well, um,
2: that's something
1: that I'd never heard of another service doing. So we want people to, to realize that when they use Ninefold, that we, we genuinely care about their apps because the, the customers that Ninefold wants aren't the ones who are just deploying, like, toy apps. They're the ones who are actually deploying apps that are going to generate revenue. Or they're, you know, their lifeblood. So, they take their apps very seriously. And so do we.
0: So I, uh, can I run a few questions that I had during my experience by you to see if these are the sorts of things that one would ask support?
1: Definitely. And if it's an internet explorer question, we're just going to skip that one. No, I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) It's definitely not that. Okay. So here's one that I had that in hindsight, I wish I had asked. So, uh, I, am quite familiar with Heroku. I'd say all things Heroku and, I wondered um, in the the early part of my experience what the difference is between um, the database.yaml file for Heroku and Ninefold, and just is there anything I should know about those differences? You know, do you guys use the database URL uh, environment variable or something else? And I didn't ask, and I didn't exactly find an answer that I thought was... Well, I didn't find an article exactly answering that question. That is that the sort of thing that one could ask support?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. And um the, the easiest answer is on Heroku they override the database.yaml file that you have on your app because they have to insert in if you know, uh using a Postgres server on, on Heroku, they have to insert in their information. They also put that information into Nvar so that you can refer to it later on, like when you do Heroku config. Um and on ninefold it 's pretty much exactly the same thing we also override your database.yaml file if we provision a Postgres server for you so all things aside um, you know we both are overriding that information for us we provision the Postgres server uh, we put we don't use database URL and var. we actually um, we just literally override it so if you open your database yaml file in in the the server itself it'll actually say um, like the user is is app user the uh, the database name is x y z the uh um gotcha gotcha yeah we
1: have a database tab
2: within the portal itself
1: that basically shows you all the information that we've overwritten that database yeah. yaml with, so we we make that very transparent so that way you can hook your database into something like p g admin if you open up the right port
0: so eventually I guess that that's what that's was going on going because on. i oh i I was echoing there
1: pardon. You're
0: good. okay. So eventually I guess that that's what was going on because I saw in the, uh, the admin interface that, that I could see details that look like that, what they would be in the database.yaml file, but I didn't find it on my own. Is this, so this could be evidence of my poor searching skills for sort of a knowledge base article that uh, already existed. Is that, do you think that's the case or is this something that just is the sort of typical question that would come through?
1: No, that's a kind of a typical question, but the the good thing for you is you're talking to the people who write a lot of the KB articles. So yeah. <laughs> we'll be definitely making a, a pull request to the uh, the ninefold doc repo um, with that additional information. Cool. So no, that's definitely something that a customer would chat us about because that's pretty simple. Well,
0: uh, another thing that I was wondering about is sort of the – the differences in the the deploy experience that um, that I should expect on Ninefold compared to other things I was familiar with. So, say Heroku, um, it seemed like it was a bit slow. Not not that the app would go down for longer, but the time between the push and the. Uh, when the app changed over was maybe a little bit longer on nine, ninefold, is that true? And, and if it is true, what sort of, what are the differences and what exactly is going on during that deploy cycle?
1: So are you talking about the initial deployment or are you talking about subsequent redeploys? No,
0: I'm I'm talking about subsequent redeploys. So it I, I push to whatever branch is connected to you know, the trigger and then if I use the stopwatch and hit, you know, go from that point to when the the new version of the app is up, how long is that?
2: Um so that can actually depend on what your changes are. Uh what we actually do on the back end, if you have a the webhook enabled on like GitHub or Bitbucket, um, Obviously, you push. You know, you do like Git push origin master, and it goes to say, you know, GitHub. Um, then it has like maybe 30 second lag between when the webhook for Ninefold picks up saying, "Oh look, a new commit's been pushed up to uh, GitHub. Let me now pull it down." So there's about 30 seconds there, and then we basically do essentially a, a Git diff on the code that you've put up and the code that we have, and then. From there, we redeploy. We don't actually do, like, a full Git clone of the entire repo. We just pull the parts that had changed. It could be anywhere from two minutes to seven minutes to ten minutes. It just really depends on what kind of changes. Like, you add you add changes to your assets. And so since we run Rake Assets Precompile for you, asset pipeline is going to take a longer time. So it might be, you know, seven minutes instead. Right, um, right. Say you only make one small change on... A routes file or something. Yeah. Then it
1: won't be a big, it will be pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. But Reese is right. Like if we're running a new migration for you and we're changing the database, like that's a bigger deal. So it'll take a little bit longer.
2: Right. Cool.
0: cool. So let's, uh, let's take a step back from the support questions. And by the way, that's helpful. I, uh, for anyone that tries ninefold. um, there are going to be some things that are slightly different, not a lot, honestly, but but I definitely recommend just asking the questions because I, I probably could have saved myself about an hour of questions and in some doubt that I had about a few things if I had asked. So, um, But let's take a step back. Let's talk about the Ninefold origin story. So since I started to do this uh, um, series in the Rails Rumble that then Ninefold um, sponsored part of, I've gotten the question from people. Like, what's the deal with Ninefold? Where do they come from? Why Australia, etc. cetera. So I figured it'd be good if you guys know it to take a step back and just talk about the, the, the birth of Ninefold, you know, where to come from.
1: <laughs> First of all, what, what a way to phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you probably need to rewrite our About Us page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Ninefold originated out of a, a large telecom in Australia called Macquarie Telecom. It was originally, um, the platform that was introduced about three to four years ago was dubbed NF1, and that was focused on bare servers, and it was focused on Australia only. So we have a lot of those customers still that were uh, that we acquired from that who use Ninefold for deploying Windows, CentOS, Ubuntu servers. At one point, um, Ninefold decided to pivot to a specific type of hosting, and so... They did a lot of research as to which which community they wanted to go into, and so a lot of things went, a lot of factors went into that. Like what was popular at the moment, what kind of community was open to having another hosting provider in there. Was there certain niches that we think that we could address? And it pretty much boiled down to Rails. So at that moment, Ninefold was still uh, focused on Australia, so they decided to do Rails hosting for Australia. But in the meantime, they were also investigating other markets. And then during that research, they discovered that there are more Rails developers in San Francisco itself than all of Australia. And so that led um, Ninefold to really pivot towards the U.S. and Canada, Um, still have a great stronghold in Australia, but really became focused on the U.S. just because of the amazing Rails community that's here. And so because of that, Ninefold also established offices in San Francisco and New York City as well. And that's a big reason why Reese and I now work for Ninefold.
0: So when you, in, a, in an email earlier today, you sent me that line about um, there being more, uh, was it Rails programmers or Ruby programmers yeah. in San Francisco than Australia? But when I read it in my email, what I read was that there were more Rails programmers in San Francisco mm-hmm. than people in Australia.
2: Oh, that would be and I was
0: like, "That can't be!" Like, I know, I know that there, I know there are a lot of people in San Francisco, and I know Australia is a big country with not too many people, but it couldn't be. <laughs> and then don't, I re do tell
2: our Australian counterparts that. Yeah, we, that. we are lucky though because we do work for an
1: Australian company. They have sent each of us to Australia to to visit HQ, and it's it's a beautiful country, and we we love the people that we work with from across the world. It's pretty amazing that. You know, we work remotely technically, but I mean, these people are across the world doing, you know, we're all working on the same thing, which is very cool.
0: What city? And I'll show you. Sydney. Hmm. I haven't been.
1: It's a sister city of San Francisco. So it's actually pretty fitting. When I got off the plane, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, <laughs> it's very clean, very nice, very expensive. Yeah. But, very, uh, very expensive. Very expensive. But they have a great
2: tech scene there as well.
0: More expensive than San Francisco?
2: Yes. that um, connects, food, I would say wise, so. Yeah, yeah definitely food-wise. Uh, um, but cost of living is, I think San Francisco is probably the most expensive in the world. And Sydney's like second, something crazy like that. Something like that, yeah. But they're pretty much on par for, you know, like housing costs and, and such.
1: Except for clothing. When the Australians come to visit us, which happens quite often, which is great. Um, actually, the number one question we get when we say that we work for an Australian company, people ask me if they have the accents which makes me laugh because why would they not? But uh, the clothing here is very inexpensive compared to Australia. So they come here and kind of have a bonanza when they come to visit.
2: Hmm.
0: So how did you, you guys are the remote employees of an Australian company. How did that come to be?
2: Good question. Um, How did, well, that was pretty much in line with what Brittany was saying about, you know, the quote unquote birth of Ninefold as a Rails hosting provider. Uh, because our focus was to break into the the Rails community, uh, U.S. being the focus, um, and mostly San Francisco, they decided to open up an office and hire uh, a few people um, in the San Francisco office. The uh, the focus obviously being rail support engineers. So uh, first up to bat was our our lead rail support engineer Ryan, um, who actually happens to be here right now. Uh, <laughs> But um, he was the first to be hired. I was um, second-ish to be hired, and then and then Brittany was hired um, to uh, to basically cover and be kind of the face of Ninefold in the U.S. Uh, you know, to represent the company. Um, we go to a lot of conferences.
1: We we have a good meetup presence in yeah. San Francisco and across the country. Uh, for example, we have seven people going to RubyConf. So. There's about 26 of us total. So, I mean, we take uh,
2: the community stuff very seriously. Absolutely. And we're very much involved with the Rails community. Um, we sponsor Rails Girls in uh, Sydney quite frequently. Uh, we sponsor meetups here in San Francisco as well as in Sydney. Um, and, you know, and we go give presentations at meetups, uh, you know, whether it's in Pittsburgh or in New York City, San Francisco, or at conferences um, you know, we we will always want to give back to the community and be part of it since it means a lot to us, you know, obviously, as as well as because, you know, for us, at least, we're Rails engineers as well. Like, right. we're not like, oh, we're going to learn Rails um, to be these Rails support engineers. We're actually Rails engineers as well. Um, so we know what we're doing. <laughs> we know what we're talking about, <laughs> too. Uh,
0: so um, I was going to ask that. How do you stay fresh? So it if if your job is split between you know some sales and marketing kind of interface with the community and some customer service with existing customers and some programming yourself H- how does that split work like yeah. what percentage in each bucket and how do you stay fresh programming wise
1: that's a great question so i think it depends on the person so um i would say about 50% of my time is taking is taken with support which granted you can't predict who's going to contact you within the day you know sometimes it's a really hot support day and sometimes it's not and then there's definitely the, the sales time. But then also we, we get out there and work on open source projects. I love hackathons. I'm, I'm like the resident hackathon advocate. Um, I'm scheduled to be a mentor at uh, RailsBridge next month in Oakland. So, you know, it, it depends on the person. Ryan just spoke at a conference last week. Um, Reese is speaking at a meetup next week. Like we, it, it's definitely an interesting balance. Like we come into work and we don't really know what's going to happen, which is kind of my favorite part
0: are you uh do, do you work on any personal projects right now that are rails centric that you like or is there no time for that
1: yeah actually um so i won a hackathon in june for a non-profit it was a non-profit hackathon and so the app itself is something that i'm continuing to work on um what's really cool is one of my uh comrades in australia is working on the app as well so it's it's the across the world co-working that we often do on that app and the app was just featured in TechCrunch, which is awesome. So we're, we're working hard to get it out the door. Of course, it's hosted on Ninefold because, you know, <laughs> their support is fantastic. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> what is yeah. the, well, what does the app do? I, I feel like I've got to ask for the pitch here.
1: Sure, <laughs> sure. So um, it's a nonprofit organization that's in San Francisco that hooks um, clients with coaches. So people that want to be able to start a business or increase their credit score Right now, those clients come in and hand, well, the coach gives them a piece of paper and tells them what to do, and there isn't any contact with that client for a month. And so basically, it's converting that action plan into uh, a technical format, and we're integrating Twilio and SendGrid, so that way the client is getting texted by the coach to remind them to do things. And if the client's in trouble, they can text the coach, and that will convert into an email that goes to the coach's inbox. So really, just bringing the the tech movement to the nonprofit sector in San Francisco.
0: That's nice. How about you, Risa? Do you get to uh, program on any personal projects?
2: Um, yeah, actually, that's how I started. Uh, was working on an open source project uh, called uh, it's now called Agile Ventures, um, and that gave me a lot of uh, experience just on like you know how how the Rails community does open source projects in general. Um, nowadays, it's working on my own personal app for like how do I integrate XYZ, or this person asked about this gem in chat and i don 't really know anything about it, and now I really want to learn right. uh, and one of the things actually, I actually wrote a blog about the asset pipeline, and so I had to read over the docs read pretty much anything and everything I could about asset pipeline just so I could really understand and now i 'm kind of the de facto expert of. Asset pipeline in our group. Um,
1: we send that article to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much, it's pretty much part of my signature at this point. Yeah. what's well, um, a big?
0: It's a big deal for what Ninefold does. I would think a lot of the questions would have to do with that because a lot of bugs end up coming about because of differences between someone's the way that someone's serving assets locally and in production.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and because of that, you know, like it forced me to relook how my own app worked. Because um, I also had problems, and I know customers had problems, and I had spent hours uh, with one of our customers uh, on my own, like out of scope, completely out of scope for for regular support. but you know curiosity got the better of me, and I really wanted to help this customer out um, and we were able to solve the problem just like you know figuring out how assets were being called correctly, et etc so it you know like the support position when we talked to Rails engineers. You know, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, do we, uh, you know, do you have support for the whenever gem or whatever? And then we're like, oh, yeah, we have a doc about that. And, you know, I spent time, you know, figuring out how the whenever gem works, you know, talking with the devs, and then, you know, putting that in my own app. And then so that if I have it on my own app, um, I can see how it works. I can see how I can edit it. I can see how to configure it. I can see how to break it. So that I'm at least aware that you know that way I can share that with the rest of the team, and now that the entire team knows how to do it, or at least have the resources to look for it, so that we can also share that with uh, customers who have those same types of problems.
1: Yeah. So recent Ironer, you, unique position where we were newer developers when we joined Ninefold, and it's basically this this uh, this riddle of being able to talk to our customers and provide them information when we might not necessarily understand. So it, it pushes us to be better because our customers are constantly asking us about things that we might not have heard of, and so it, a big challenge for us is getting up to speed on these things very quickly, but it definitely pushes us to be better.
0: yeah, I can imagine that because there's a bit of a negotiation when you start in on a conversation with someone new and you're you're a developer, so it goes something like this: you first assume nothing and then drop a couple of of concepts or comments and see how the response goes. But then once someone shows that they are a, uh, you know, a competent Ruby or rails programmer, then like I think people assume that they'll know everything that they say coming yeah. coming next. And I can imagine that you could get into weird positions if you're somewhat new, where you would like pass that in this initial handshake test, but then get like overwhelmed with specifics that, that are not that familiar uh, yeah,
2: that happens a lot, actually. I know for, for myself, whenever I talk to somebody and, and that exact scenario happens, I'm usually like, I'm not really familiar with it, you know, and I'm I'm very open with chat and very transparent. I'll be like, I'm not really familiar with it, but let me get back to you. Um, maybe this will work, um, you know, or maybe this will work uh, and, you know, try to provide them options and or I'll say I can create a ticket and I can talk to the dev team. Maybe they might have an answer, like how does... You know uh, i'm gonna pick on sidekick but like how does sidekick work perfectly on on ninefold or how does rescue work perfectly on ninefold like um am i missing something is there something that i can tell the customer that they should do better um like or um whatever the case may be so it's it's also like on how i see support at least for for us is that we're pretty open like if we don't really understand then we'll be like you know what? Let's... We tell the truth, yeah. We, we yeah. don't ever conceal that we might not
1: know something. But yeah. the answer is always, you know, let me take a look at it and give me like a couple of minutes. And yeah. normally the, the people we're talking to are like, sure, I have eight other windows open right yeah.
0: now. <laughs> right. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that story reminded me of that. I remember I went to uh, Spain when I was 17. And uh, that was like about the time where my Spanish was good enough that I could, like it was possible someone would think I could speak Spanish okay in the first 60 seconds of a conversation, right. but yeah. you know, it wouldn't be that hard to get into like a vocabulary territory where I would, I'd be lost. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, it's in some ways I think that that's both a tough place to be, but also a very exciting one. Cause that means that every day you're going to learn a whole lot. Definitely. Um,
1: and it, it's funny too, like people will drop hints to us, what kind of developer they are without even knowing it. Like, uh, one, one, um, one type of app that we get a lot of is free commerce. They're one of our, one of our partners, but they're known to be kind of uh, memory hungry. And so if we're talking to a new customer on chat and we take a look at their infrastructure and they have it deployed on like a one gig combo box, like we, we know that they're definitely new to spree and that they haven't messed around with it much. And, so it, it, it helps us like flavor that conversation to make sure that we're really being helpful to them. Or if we have a customer who comes on and asks if they can deploy Light in production, like that's definitely <laughs> going to tell us like, okay, you might be new to this game.
0: Well, to or- that point, there's a lot of anxiety on the other side. I think when yeah. people contact, especially a new service and they're going to talk to a person, they don't want to yeah. sound stupid.
1: No, no. And we, we do everything we can to make sure that they don't feel that they're being judged. So like someone might do something like, really really funny like oh i deleted like my gem file or something yeah. like that we might just say to them as a support team oh i've done that before i might never have done that
2: before <laughs>
1: So it's, it's important to pe- put people at ease like we're not there to judge people we're here to get you uh to a successful deployment
2: yeah and one of the things too that we see often um is that some people just forget to run bundle after yes. they make a change to a gem file but truth be told we make the exact all same. all done yeah. that. <laughs> I'd be like, "Oh man, I just totally pulled this this move. Like, I need, I need my, I need to send myself a de- fail deploy email because I just forgot to bundle on my own app. Yep. You know, and it, it like it totally happens to to yeah. everybody. So like, it's also a learning curve too. That's um, you know, that's involved. So so we can totally sympathize or empathize with with uh, customers when you know they do something like they forgot to bundle and are like, yeah, you know, it happens. We do it too. Yep, we do.
0: So I have a couple of other sponsors to read, and one of them is a Ninefold story. So if you don't mind, I'm going to do that now.
1: Great. I want to hear the story.
0: (laughs) Okay. So the the next sponsor is Codeship, and Codeship is a a frequent sponsor of the show. And uh, I love the way that Codeship integrates with with Ninefold. So um, I'll use this as an excuse to talk a bit about how the Ninefold deploy process works. So unlike Heroku, where you run, like, you know, Heroku push, blah, blah, blah. In ninefold, it's, it's, as you said before, triggered off of a, uh, of a push of a particular branch of a Git repository, right? Yeah. So you say, oh, okay, I'm using GitHub. And when the branch named X of this project is pushed, then you should uh, trigger the deploy based on that. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way that I set it up with CodeShip is that and Codeship's a continuous delivery platform. I'll tell you about it in a second. But I set it up on Codeship so that when I uh, push to master, Codeship runs uh, the test suite. If everything looks good, then it pushes to the production branch in uh, on GitHub. And then ninefold is triggered off of the production branch push. And I really like that workflow because then I'm never actually pushing to production to the production branch ever. Um, it's always going through CodeShip, which is was super easy. It took one second to set it up with with Ninefold. Given that I just had to to uh, tell it what command to use to push the the branch to uh, to push master to production, and it works super great. So I, I love like I like CodeShip a lot, and I I really like the workflow that it enabled with uh, with Ninefold. Have you guys used CodeShip before or any other continuous delivery service?
1: Yeah, that's a great question for Risa. I've used CodeShip before, but uh, she was in charge of our continuous integration KB article. So.
2: <laughs> um, well, I've pretty much tried every single one except for Jenkins, um, just because Jenkins is a little bit harder to, uh, to start up from scratch, and I just didn't want to be bothered, to be honest. <laughs> right. Um, so I've tried Circle. I've tried Travis. I've tried, um, well, Britt and I both tried uh, Magnum, um, and then there's CodeShip as well. CodeChip uh, does seem to be the simplest. Um, you know, oh, just shout out to like Magnum is is pretty easy too, and Circle was also pretty easy. I think I had the most trouble with Travis at the very beginning, um, but I was using Travis originally to learn how to do how to set up uh, continuous integration on Ninefold. I knew that we could do it since we had just uh, issued out a redeploy command from our CLI, and um, and so I had no idea what I was doing. And that you know, that's another one of those things that I know that it's possible. I just don't know what I'm doing. So I spent you know uh, a day or two trying to figure it out, um, and I was able to get it up on. And once I was once I got up on Travis, I was able to get it up on on any other uh, CI environment, and they're all pretty much the same. You know, CodeShip is probably the most different, and it you know, like you said, it's very new visitor most. in the queue. Oops, <laughs> and. Um,
0: Wait, is that is that what happens when someone uh yes. <laughs> <laughs> was, <laughs>
2: that, was exactly.
0: that an Australian accent? I don't think it was. I think it was something else.
2: Yeah, that's exactly the sound that it makes when we have a visitor in the queue.
0: <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> uh, Alright, well let me uh let me tell you a bit more about um about coach. Actually, let me tell my dog to go away one second. <laughs> I'm going to edit. I'm going to edit this part out. <laughs> One sec. Okay, Sorry about that. I've learned from past experience that if my dog walks anywhere near where we're recording, it'll pick it up. So <laughs> I've got to, You're I def-
1: to animal people, so we have complete sympathy to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. So let me tell you a bit about what makes CodeShip unique. Well, CodeShip's a free continuous delivery service that's really simple to use. They offer 100 builds per month for five private projects for free. The whole product also has a big focus on usability. Super easy to use. You can set up continuous integration in a few easy steps, and your software will automatically deploy when all your tests have passed. CodeShip has great support for multiple languages and test frameworks. You can easily integrate with GitHub and Bitbucket for code hosting, and then deploy to cloud services or your own servers. Start out with CodeShip's free plan. Setup only takes about three minutes. Find CodeShip on codechip.io slash 5x5ruby and use the offer code 5x5ruby to get 20% off any plan for three months. You can also check out their blog at blog.codeship.io to get updates. I want to thank CodeShip for once again sponsoring the show. Back to our uh, conversation.
2: You just in the queue. Oh, that's
0: so weird. I think you guys should keep that on the whole time.
2: <laughs> I'm not
1: even logged in. That's what's so goofy. Oh, maybe it's in the web client. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it might be the client. Okay. <laughs> we should be good now. We're stuck being for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um, you guys mentioned Heroku and DigitalOcean and some others. So if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about the, the sort of experience of switching from Heroku to Ninefold. Oh,
1: great. One um, we get a lot.
0: Yeah, it's, it was the experience I went through, so it's what I know uh, the most about. But I was reflecting before we started talking on why it took me so long to try Ninefold. And, uh, cause I mean, the amount of times I saw ninefold messaging before I tried it was ridiculous. I mean, I saw the. Our the, marketing
1: team is good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah,
0: I saw the Matt's interviews. I saw the. Uh, or I saw the existence of them. I think I watched one. I'm not sure if it was a presentation or whatever that he did at, at the office. I saw the, uh, the YCAT's, uh, um, I don't know if it was a blog series, but there there were some amount of chatter with him. I saw advertising online, and like, still, it took you know four advertisements on my own show before I'm like, you know what, I should give the guys a try. And I, I think it had to do with my comfort with Heroku.
2: Yep. I mean,
1: and
0: is is that a, is that common? Is that unusual?
1: Uh, no, that's absolutely that's completely common. It's you know fear of the unknown. So. It's it's always it's so funny that people will come to us a lot of times when they've actually become upset with Heroku and they feel that they need to make that change. But we're getting more customers nowadays who are just curious and they'll try us from Heroku. It's why we have a deployment guide specifically from joining joining ninefold from Heroku. And a lot of times when the customers try us they're like, "Wow, why didn't I do this 6 months ago?" So it's just all about getting our name out there and getting people comfortable. Because, like I said before, you know the kind of customers that we want to attract are ones that are generating revenue and are very, you know, they take their apps very seriously. And so, the idea of moving their app for hosting—it's not something that they want to think about. But when they do move it to us, they're like, "Oh my god, this is great! You know, it's so much. It's, you know, the value is so much higher. I have support that I can talk to when I need to. And so, it, it's great in that sense. It's just." pulling the trigger of actually trying us out. So that's why we tell a lot of people that have production-grade apps, you know, just start out by deploying a staging app on Ninefold and just give it a little bit of time. And then once you feel comfortable, you dip your toe in the water then you know, we will help you as much as we can to help you bring that production app over. It's why we also have a guide as well about moving your database over as well. You know, There's there definitely a little bit of pain in terms of the actual moving, but when people have actually done that move, you know, it's usually a very successful story.
0: There are two scenarios that appealed to me with Ninefold. So the one I think you mentioned quite a bit, which would be production grade, relatively large um, traffic apps, because I think that the pricing model for Ninefold is pretty pretty obviously good for, um, for, for the sort of that scenario. I also think that the, the approach is pretty good for, um, not what I'd call a hobby app, but something that's never by its own definition going to receive tons of traffic. So it doesn't have to worry about, um, capacity exactly, but it does need say, redis and a decent number of you know a decent capacity on the database perhaps it stores a, uh, a lot of data and um the sort of put it all on one box that you guys promote for development but i think works fine for sort of a relatively low traffic but important app i think yeah. is nice i think that that's a nice option with ninefold um that I- it-
1: I, I, it's funny, like now when I do those kinds of apps and I really put those in the category of like portfolio apps, like things that you want to have alive, that you want to be able to show people, but that you also want to serve some traffic to, um, the logging on ninefold is so robust that I often find myself deploying earlier and earlier just to see what the logging saying on ninefold. So for those kinds of apps, yeah, it's, it's wonderful having that. And if you're at a point where it's difficult for you to deploy like a production app um, you know you work at a company where they have a production app but you as a developer want to test us out yeah definitely deploying one of those apps makes a lot of sense well
0: I think that I, I think that's something that maybe pe- uh, people that work in on apps that are consumer focused and yeah. I don't I don't necessarily just mean consumer like my mom focused but I mean <laughs> consumer as in used by anyone focused sure. that Go ahead. I think that in that world, you imagine production as meaning massive traffic, but right. I work most of the work that I do is in what I think people would call big business to business kind of worlds yep. where a lot of traffic isn't a lot of traffic. Right. And you know, so like there aren't millions of people even in the universe that would sign up for a given thing, let alone in my user base. And when that's what you're doing, you're sort of what you care about shifts a little bit. You don't care about being able to scale to handle absurd traffic, but you do care about stability. Um, you do care about the um, the latency between the box that the app server is on and the box that the, you know, Redis server is on, as an example, or memcache or or whatever. And I I don't know if this is an unfair criticism, but I often think that the, sort of the, the, the needs of that business to business app, which are like portfolio in nature, the way you described it, but businessy, um, are often a little overlooked in everything because people are usually writing about like the next, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatnot.
1: No, that's actually a really great comment, especially since, you know, we're in San Francisco and we are hearing all about those consumer apps, you know, who's going to be the next Pinterest, Instagram, et cetera. But like a lot of our, our best customers are ones that are serving that business-to-business traffic. And they're making a lot of money. And their hosting costs are not high, as you said, because they're they're not paying necessarily for space. They're, sp- they're paying for stability. Right. And right. so when we have someone like that, yeah, absolutely. They're a very ideal customer for ninefold. So I still consider them production, but not production where they're getting slammed. And we still encourage them to do things like flood testing and things like that just to make sure that their their code is tight. But yeah, those are wonderful
0: customers for ninefold. So quick, uh, related question. So is there a way to, to run multiple apps on the same ninefold box? So here's the scenario I was wondering about the other day. I, uh, went API first on a, on a new app. So before there was a web app, you know, there was the API. And then in order to, make sure that I separated the web app from the API. I made it as a separate app. All right. So there are two rails apps that easily could have been one, except I wanted to pinky swear with myself that I would not cheat on the web app and do something the API didn't support. If you know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) So I had a different app and really there's no good reason why these wouldn't be served off of the same box for that portfolio app, to be honest, because it's not like either one's taking up much memory and they're separated for purely sort of development discipline purposes. But I didn't, I didn't do the work to figure out how difficult it would be to deploy that to ninefold and, and, uh, have those two apps running within the single server. Is that possible? Uh,
2: unfortunately not. I, you know, I hate saying no, but um, it's pretty much the way that our, our uh infrastructure is set up is basically like one app one repo one app uh one repo per app um, so Got if you s- have s- all the traffic
0: kept, is proxied to that to one port in the in the right app
2: well, yeah so i mean um you could actually t- technically set it up so it's one database is shared between two different repos that's totally possible mm-hmm. um but if you want you know, um, but that's still technically called two apps. So, like, if you look on your dashboard, it'd be, like, you know, web and then the web server or the web uh, client and then the API client. It's two separate entities.
1: It's the way our worker set up, too, because then the worker wouldn't know which app it was doing the work for. So that's just basically, like, how our infrastructure is set up. But that that's definitely a use case that we we might've heard before.
0: Well, thinking out loud, I suppose one way you could do it that would kind of have your cake and eat it too is to, is to build the web app as an engine. Because if you did that, then you could develop it separately and kind of make sure that you're not breaking this idea of not allowing your web app to cheat. At least it wouldn't be that hard to do that because you could, you could actually develop it as a separate repo, but then include it into the API app as, a, as an engine and, and, and mount it as the root. That would work fine.
1: What we tell a lot of customers when they have a new and interesting setup that they want to do, as long as it it matches the confines of, of ninefold, you know, it is a Rails app, then we don't see any issue why they don't try it. They can't break the platform by introducing a crazy new gem or a crazy new setup. So we often tell people just go ahead and try it. They'll do it, and then they might be missing a library or something, and then we can help them with that and get it going. So we we invite any sort of experimentation on ninefold.
2: Yeah, that's definitely the best way is, like, because everybody's use case is always going to be different. It's not always going to be vanilla Rails apps. Right. Um, You know, like, for instance, yours, like, I don't think we've heard of anybody trying that, but if you can wrap it somehow into your app totally cool you know try it give it a whirl if it doesn't work we can try to see if we can find a way around it or we might have suggestions to make it a little bit better and be like oh yeah i totally didn't think about doing xyz and now i can actually integrate it properly um
1: we love when people tell us about doing those things because that's some of our best blog posts or when people have figured out a way to get around something so yeah we definitely invite that kind of creativity
0: One thing I like about trying a new platform like ninefold for something is that it makes you, uh, it sort of unlocks a bunch of what ifs and, and creativity in you where, you know, I, I, on Heroku, as an example, I, I, I probably wouldn't have thought about it quite the same way, given, given some of the differences between the two platforms. But since uh, you know, I was trying out ninefold, I started to wonder that, um, and, uh, Uh, I'm not sure if it was clear what I was trying to do, but you know, I, I've been in general interested in this idea of why the default development process for most web apps is not API first in the rails community. And, um, so I've been exploring that myself by building apps that are API first and like feeling where the friction points are. And, uh, and this is one. So anyhow.
1: No, that sounds really cool. I'm glad that you're doing it. I'm looking forward to your your podcast, your your blog post about it. <laughs> right.
0: So, what are some of the main um, hurdles that people have to jump over when they do switch from Heroku in your experience?
2: Um, so, the biggest thing is that people are actually used to using uh, the Heroku CLI, right the, the the tool belt. So they'll do. Um, you know, like, uh, what is it, like, Hiro- it's been a while for me, but it's something like Heroku. master,
1: yeah. Or,
2: like, first you have to do Heroku create, right? Yeah, so yeah, you get the Cedar stack, and then you do get push Heroku master, and then you also have to do Heroku uh, uh, run rake uh, db setup, and then you actually have to manually put in the, the, the commands to set up the database, maybe even do rake assets precompile, whatever the case is, um, and those manual interventions you don't realize, but the entire process takes about 20 minutes um, for a first deploy on Heroku, but it's broken up because of you actually running those commands. Um, in Terminal, what's the biggest difference for for Ninefold is that we kind of take that away from you uh, ever so slightly, and we say, okay, this is the infrastructure that you chose. Um, you can actually go ahead and go watch an episode of, like, Futurama or whatever, you know, you want to watch, <laughs> and, and 20 minutes later, we'll actually do all that for you. We'll, we'll run bundle install after we, you know, clone your uh, repo. We'll run... Uh, rake db setup we'll run uh, rake db migrate, oh that's part of setup uh, and then rake assets precompile, we'll do all of that for you so you can close your computer, you can walk around, you can go for a walk you can have a beer, you can do whatever and come back and be like oh my app is up I didn't have to do anything, I didn't have to do all these extraneous steps and I think that's the biggest value add for us as well um, for for a lot of people migrating from hurricane, they're like and people always wonder they're like why does it take so long but they don't also realize that it takes that long, but they're broken up every five minutes because of these extra commands that they're writing in that they don't realize they're doing. Um,
0: so I think my own experience was sort of similar to that. I I I, didn't, I, I don't really find that the app creation hurdles are are quite as different, as you said. But I do think that the difference between the Heroku CLI mm-hmm. and anything else is notable. In other words, once you've gotten used to it, you don't... Like er, earlier, I, I, it's funny, I, I realized when you were talking that I misspoke and said like Heroku push. And of course I I would not mistype get push Heroku Master. But it's just so ingrained into how I do things now that I don't even have to think about how to look at their logs on Heroku or run the console or push or or um uh, add a domain or whatever it is. And uh it's it's not I mean I think that the parody is pretty much there with Ninefold CLI and Heroku CLI, but the difference itself is anxiety creating because you're just like my my fingers don't remember the thing I don't know yet.
1: Exactly. Um, no, you're right, and I think people see Heroku not as Heroku, but this is how you deploy an app. Like this isn't like it's not branded in their minds. So when you introduce a different workflow, whether or not it's improved or not, and I do have to do a shout out to Brutus, our shaved yak, who's throughout our CLI. I hope you got to see him. Um, okay. That definitely. Like that definitely helped put some personality under our CLI, but you know we're always improving our CLI as well. So
0: I thought that was cute, so I, I took a little video of my screen and and
2: oh, good. It, and
0: and, <laughs> and tweeted it because I thought that was fun.
2: Well, thank you for that. Um, and it is not a cow; it is a shaved yak. It is a
1: shaved yak. <laughs> <laughs> that is Brutus. He's very popular. We have stickers of him that we send to customers when they when they talk to him, talk about him on our chats.
0: So that's like the ninefold mascot is it Brutus. It is the
1: ninefold mascot is Brutus.
0: Yeah, I think that's fun. <laughs> I think it's a fun way to sort of, it's a fun nod to the community that that ninefold sort of gets.
1: And that's like our whole place is that, yeah, we, we get developers, but we specifically get Rails developers. So yeah. but we try to infuse that in everything that we do.
0: So you've both been at ninefold for, for what, six to nine months now?
2: Uh, I actually just celebrated my one year uh, with Ninefold. Oh, that's right. Month. Brittany told oh, okay. me that. On one day, yeah. <laughs> one, year, one, one year, four days. <laughs> Many balloons and days. cupcakes ensued. <laughs>
0: well, congratulations. And you said six months for you, Brittany?
2: Yes, six months.
0: So uh, give me a fun story about working at Ninefold. Because I think a, a lot of us that, well, in my case, I had a, a very good friend, kind of a next door neighbor, uh, in my dorm in college was a exchange student from Australia. So of course, like all things, Australia, uh, I think of Rowan. He's my, he's like my, my image of Australia. And (laughs) if, if he was a company, it would be a very fun company. Uh, so I imagine Australian companies as being fun for no good reason. Besides that, uh, I'd love to hear a fun story about ninefold. Oh, that's a good one.
2: That's a fun story. I, uh, okay. When she first started, and um, pretty soon after, I think maybe an, a month after or so, I think we had a couple of us, the Australian guys come over uh, for some um, for some training. And uh, what really blew her away uh, was w- the way they talked. <laughs> um, like they would say heaps and lollies heaps. Wait,
1: what's a,
0: what's a heap? I don't know what that is.
1: Oh, you don't know heaps? Okay, Mm-mm. so they don't say lots. So you know, oh, yeah. if we have a if we have a good chat, and they read it, and they'll be like, "Oh, that's so that's heaps funny." And we're like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they have a lot of words that they they'll, they'll throw in there, and it, it's funny. Like the marketing guys will come to us and say, "Like, can you read this uh, this copy?" And they'll have something in there with like favorite with an extra U or things like that. There's just there's just like little changes that make you remember that you are like talking to someone from across the world, you know. Um, but they. They do. Uh, they do a pretty good uh, impression of the U.S. folks as well. So they—they—they yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they have told me that we all live in Texas, that we drive pickup trucks, we have a gun in the back of our car, and uh, I think that we only eat McDonald's and pizza. So.
0: It sounds like they've been to Dallas a lot.
1: I right. know, right?
0: <laughs> or I mean, I was going to make a Pittsburgh joke, but then I remembered, Brittany, you're from Pittsburgh.
2: Oh. You- <laughs> <laughs> if you said that you that that Brittany was from uh from yeah, Philly was, then you know the ongoing
1: joke is that i'm from Philly because no one in california knows what pittsburgh is so yeah. if i'm from pennsylvania i must be from philly
0: <laughs> yeah well i remember i um i used to get that sort of a mix up with californians when i i worked for a company that was in santa monica and then right uh, after we started we moved the company to to pittsburgh but it wasn't uh, people from Pittsburgh wouldn't say Pittsburgh, they'd say Oakland. So, uh, in conversations with the rest of the crew that was out in California, we'd say, oh, well the office that's on Craig street in Oakland. And they're like, oh, I had no idea you, you moved up to the Bay. And I'm like, oh no, no, I mean, I mean Oakland, just like South of Shadyside, Oakland, that Oakland. And, uh, yeah. So I don't think the Californians are ever going to really get Pittsburgh.
2: No, no I don't think so. No. unless it's unless it's like, well, I don't know. I think Steelers. And so there's 49ers. a Pittsburgh in
1: California as well, but with one T. And so I always have to tell people Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and like people will make fun of me for it. And I'm like, "Well, if I say Pittsburgh, they're like, oh, okay, you're from the Bay." I'm yeah, like, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> now, do you I'm think
0: speaking... would people make fun of you more if you said Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania or Pittsburgh Steelers?
1: Oh my god, number one Steelers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, remember I, I we, we I remember when we talked last time. I, I lived in Pittsburgh, so I've got the whole oh, I've got, got the whole yin's thing down.
1: <laughs> uh, no, well, there's a Philadelphia bar in uh, San Francisco as well as a Pittsburgh bar, so it's it's nice that we're we're represented that way. But we always take it as a compliment when people don't think that we're from Pennsylvania. Like yeah. we we integrate well.
0: Oh, Pennsylvania is fine. Oh, now, that's great. <laughs> That's I've told crazy. this I've told this joke on the podcast before, but uh it's been a long time, so I'll tell it again. You know, uh uh Risa, you said you're from Philly, right?
2: Yeah, outside of Philly, yeah.
0: What's so what's that area between Pittsburgh and Philly?
2: Kentucky? Yeah,
0: exactly. Kentucky.
2: That's a good one. <laughs>
0: I used to um I used to work for a company that had facilities all over the country, including a number in or a handful, at least in the middle of Pennsylvania. And oh, that joke is like, I, I don't like to say <laughs> jokes that I think some people could be offended by, but I, I totally get the joke. <laughs> ha- having you know, been to as,
2: both. As a Pennsylvania person, we always make fun of that area, but you know, yeah. there's also state college and, and Harrisburg and, and Lancaster and, Everybody else in
0: town, Yeah. Yeah, there's that, there's that <laughs> stretch in the north that's really, there's not a lot up there. Yeah. But I guess that's not really between uh, Pittsburgh and Philly. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: all right. So before we, um, before we finish up with a, a few more topics, if you don't mind, I'm going to introduce you to uh, our last sponsor. Is that all right?
2: Yeah, please
0: Okay. So uh, third sponsor today is Mandrill. Mandrill is an email infrastructure service that started as an idea back in 2010. That idea became a reality in 2012 when they cannibalized—that's that's their word—a uh, crew of ma- uh, Mailchimp's best engineers. They isolated them from the rest of the team, and they turned that idea from a Skunkworks project into a product that outperforms competitor service uh, services. They've grown super fast, and they're now the largest email-as-a-service platform with over 300,000 active customers. You can use Mandrill to send automated one-to-one email uh, emails like password resets or welcome messages or marketing emails or customized newsletters. It's quick to set up and easy to use and very, very stable. Uh, they made it for developers, uh, developers that love documentation and integrations and high delivery rates with webhooks and analytics to make sure everything is performing up to snuff. If you're not comfortable with code and APIs, you should find someone that is before you get started. Uh, I love that they put that line, by the way. Me in too. This. That's
1: <laughs> the best. We, we both laugh together. We're like, yes. That's I know
0: yeah because it's you know up till then you're like, What the heck what's the difference between Mandrill and Mailchimp? They both are used to send emails and they're both crazy easy to use, and you know they both have have uh primates in their name concept
2: <laughs>
0: but that's really it, right I mean like man the difference is that if you're not comfortable with code and apis you should get someone that is because this is built for developers and used not for big uh newsletters only but but to send uh more uh transactional email.
1: I'm Anyways, to use it myself. Um, Ninefold is partnered with SendGrid, but we we definitely have customers that come on with with Mandrill questions. So,
0: yeah, it's pretty. It would not take a long time to get used to it. It's quite good, and there's a uh, there's a very good Ruby gem made for Mandrill to help with uh, like the inbound side of what Mandrill does, so receiving uh-huh. email. That's quite good. Anyhow, it, uh, it, becomes, it comes with a beautiful interface, flexible template options, custom tagging, advanced tracking, and reports, and it's the only email infrastructure, infrastructure service with a mobile app that lets you monitor your delivery rates and troubleshoot problems. Uh, don't take my word for it. You can sign up at mandrill.com and use the promo code 5x5, and you receive 50,000 free emails per month. You know, it's funny, I said before that I work on mostly business-to-business apps. And because of that, 50,000 free emails a month seems like an absurd number to me.
2: That
1: does seem like a lot of emails.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, basically, for anything but a super big project, uh, or at least relatively big project, um, if you use that code 5 by 5 you're sending emails for free for six months. That's awesome. Anyways, thanks to uh, thanks to Mandrel for supporting both Five by Five and the uh, Ruby on Rails podcast. All right, so uh, I thought we'd end by uh, talking about how to break that sort of logjam in people like myself four weeks ago that haven't yet tried Ninefold that are are maybe curious now. Um, so for me, the thing that that was the relief was that the deployment process was git driven.
1: Ah, uh, yes. I mean everything's git driven nowadays, so that was very important to us as we were designing the platform that it was that way as well.
0: Yeah, it's and and I don't like uh maybe I should have assumed that that was the case and if I had looked in, into ninefold with uh more care a year ago I would have noticed that I'm sure, but uh, I hadn't and when I got into it it was it it it, it makes you feel at home cuz like you said just about everything's get driven and um that's similar to this at least and uh it made it not um, not intimidating I'd say to get going with You mentioned the uh the logging before uh, mm-hmm. I agree that it's quite good uh can you tell me a bit about it what's what's the story
2: Uh well on the back end it's basically a, a slew of um, of things such as Elasticsearch, uh, Beaver, Logstash. Um, what else is there? I think there's like one or two more. Oh, Rabbit MQ. Yes. Um, and maybe one or two other things, but all of those combined, um, we have uh, we have it. And then we want everything to be transparent with our logs, so we spit out the logs. We have Chef orchestrating everything in the background uh, for the app itself, so we have Chef logs we have the Rails server logs, we have asset logs, so whenever we run the asset, uh, rig assets precompile, um, it'll spit out those, uh, those logs, you know, bundler logs, everything is tagged, so the output on the machine itself might be huge, but when bundler actually starts and it says, you know, bundle, run, run this command bundle install, it'll be tagged bundler, and then those, like, start bundler, and then that'll actually be displayed in the logs under the bundler command. Or pull down or whatever it's called, um, and uh, it's for Elasticsearch, It's only kept for three days um, because it's so robust. On the web interface, uh, it's only displayed for about two hundred or two thousand lines, uh, just because every log, every line in the log, is put into its own you know div. And because of that, it's just going to blow up your browser, so we keep it really small, so it's a little bit easier to render. But on the CLI, it actually will display everything. Um, And on top of that, we also have log rotation uh, so you can keep a lot of the logs as well uh, on the machines themselves. So we make
1: it really easy to boil down to the sources. You can look at a specific host. You know, we, we definitely refer people to the logging more than anything because if you're new to implementing a worker, like we have a worker-specific log. And so, you know, it, logs don't lie. That's what we always tell people. Like yeah. if the log is telling you that something's wrong, like that, it, it normally points you right to where you need to fix it in your app. So,
0: so the data store for for the logs is Elasticsearch?
1: Yes, Absolutely.
0: That's I think I sent you an email about this, Brittany, but one Mm -hmm. of my, one of my wishes for ninefold is, and it's really not, not about ninefold, but about like any platform is easier elastic search, um, integration, especially for what you called a portfolio project, a smaller project, because if you've got a like one and a half gigabyte, um, well, forget this point for a second. I like elastic search in general. So I'm generally interested in taking advantage of Elasticsearch for, for searching at the very least on models. But, but I think it's uh, to your point about the logs, uh, an interesting option for some other things too. And the there's, if you're not hosting things yourself, I mean, yes, there are services that are sort of Elasticsearch only hosting services, but I like the idea of including that with memcache and Redis and Postgres as things that you can have native to the platform that yeah. you're hosting with you guys
1: we've contemplated having, so we have the three three different types of servers that you can deploy with an app. We have the web, we have the worker, and we have the DB. We've contemplated being able to deploy an Elasticsearch server. So we have a workaround where you're able to deploy a bare server and configure it that way, but we've definitely heard that from our customers that they want to be able to integrate Elasticsearch easier into their app. And one thing that we tell them is that they could use a service like Bonsai, which is extremely great, but it's very expensive. So if you wanted to integrate that into a portfolio project, it just probably doesn't make sense. But to your point, if you learn to use Elasticsearch earlier, and when you do get to that app where you, you know, it's a serious app, like you want to be comfortable with Elasticsearch already.
0: Right. Right. You know, I like the idea of it being hosted in, and, and I may be wrong about this, so this could be one of those well, needless sort of goals that I've got in my head when thinking about how I'm going to host an app. But I like the idea of reducing the amount of network latency I'm taking on by having my Elasticsearch server be, you know, in some different physical place than the app itself. No, and I, I it always that. bothers me. Like, even if they swear, Oh, they're there, it's going to be nothing or you shouldn't be worried about it. Even if it's a, you know, if the latency spikes one out of every 200 queries, it's still like, that's, that's not nothing. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I'm generally focused on that as an opportunity.
1: Yeah, we want to be able to add that into that internal network that you already have set up with, within your app. So, yeah, we agree. You know, latency and all those things matter a lot to us because we are built for performance. So, uh, Elasticsearch or integrating some sort of search engine is is a natural thing for us to do in the future.
0: So the the last uh, last topic that I wanted to cover, and if you guys have anything, you should uh, you should throw it in. Is is tell me a few things about what's difficult in running ninefold it seems to me like there'd be a million possible problems that would happen and that you know what makes a service like ninefold great is that it shields everyone from that right so that it just works and we don't have to worry about it so you know if we're not great at devops or just want to use our time for something else that's that's fine but i'd assume that the behind the curtain there's quite a bit that's going on um if you have any uh, sort of examples of of some of the magic or or mountain moving that it takes to run a service like this, I'd love to, to hear one or two stories about it.
1: Um, I, I could definitely speak for our amazing head of engineering. Um, so he manages our chef. That, like as Risa um, talked about, you know that is what orchestrates all of Ninefold at this moment, and so
2: you know, there's definitely a
1: dependency on a vendor that, you know, they are the heart of our of our application. And so Ninefold itself is a very robust Rails app, but then you have the chef um, orchestrating everything in the background. So, you know, if we do need to upgrade chef, it, it's a big deal. So, you know, you, you hate to have dependencies on vendors like that, because they're not as vested in your success as you are. So, um, we're definitely huh. looking into ways to, to make that more on us versus on our vendors.
0: I'm, I'm pretty stupid about chef. So like I've, uh, the, um, I mentioned DigitalOcean before as sort of like the other pole, right? If it's like Heroku, then ninefold, then DigitalOcean. The only time that I've used chef is when I, uh, tested out whether I wanted to go the digital ocean route and sort of run things myself. Um, And, uh, it's a different world.
1: It really is.
0: (laughs) Like I, I, it's uh, I felt like it was custom designed to make me feel dumb about
1: programming. (laughs) You'll love that line. You'll absolutely love that line. Um, yeah, between our chief architect and our of engineering, they, they come near our chef instance. And I mean, we, we generate a lot of cookbooks and recipes in order to keep ninefold going, but like, you know, something like the, the poodle vulnerability or things like that, like that that's all within chef and uh, (laughs) we just need to keep everything updated and keep the, keep the platform secure and stable.
0: I remember when I first read the kind of the hello world tutorial about chef and, it said up top that it's, it's Ruby. And I'm like, Oh, I know Ruby. I, I'm a good Ruby programmer. I'm good, <laughs> man. I, was... I
1: had a friend who started a job a couple weeks ago and she came in. Um, she was told she was being hired for a rails position and they told her, okay. Uh, when she came in they're like, you're going to learn chef. And she's like, I didn't think this is what I was doing. <laughs> and they're like, yep. Uh, no one wants to do it. So uh, that's you. So
0: I don't think haze- hazing's hazing is not nice. That's no, he
1: not nice.
0: It sounds just mean.
1: Just. <laughs> you know what? She's gonna be hireable if she uh, she pulls through.
0: Yeah, you know that's a smart comment. I, you know, I, I I think that that's true. That you know plumbers make decent money, but journalists don't, and there's a reason for that, right? Because everyone thinks journalists would be a fun job, or being a journalist would be a fun job, but not a lot of people are lining up to do plumbing work for fun. No, that's, that's
1: actually a very good point.
0: And Chef is definitely the plumbing, at least for me.
1: Yeah, yeah totally. I can yeah, understand is. that for the shirt.
0: Alright. Well, um I uh I enjoyed our talk.
1: Oh good. I did as well. Yeah. I
0: Great. feel like I got to know Ninefold a uh, a bit better. As I as I said before, I've got one app now on Ninefold, and I've got many, many apps on Heroku. But uh it's uh the thing that I like best about my experience is that the uh, the reason to try ninefold is super clear. Like I totally get it. Like, you know, it could explain to any user of a of Heroku or DigitalOcean in a minute what you know, why you do it. And uh it totally did what it said. So I really enjoyed it.
1: Oh good. Great. Well we're glad to have you. I mean you were really the uh, the model customer as well. I mean you had a successful first deployment, which is wonderful and uh you you learned the logs and I mean it, all around good and, yeah. and you provided us product feedback, which we can't get enough of. So we love it when our customers tell us what they want because we always view support as a direct link to, to product. So we, we love getting that kind of information over to our product manager.
0: Yay. All of us. Yay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag yay. All the things <laughs> yeah.
0: we are great. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, uh, I, we never even got past first names, so I think we should end by you guys uh, telling people how they can connect with you online if uh, if they so wish.
1: Sure. Um My name is Brittany Martin. I'm a rail support engineer at Ninefold. You can reach me on Twitter at B-R-I-T-T-J Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N. Or if you really want to be rambunctious, uh, just find me on live chat on Ninefold. Oh, <laughs> Right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Hired her. And my name is Risa. You can find me on Twitter at at m o o k i y. That's Mookie. Um, Or again, we could could pull the Brittany thing and say, find me on live chat. And then she'll just transfer you to
1: Brittany. Yeah, exactly. I
2: don't want to deal with it. I'm just kidding.
0: What what app is your, like, when you guys are live chatting, what app's it in?
1: Oh, it's actual live chat. It's called live chat. Yep.
0: Oh, like, like gotcha. I got, like, the Kleenex of Yes, the Kleenex yes.
2: of chat. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I'm using that. Thank you. <laughs> that I
0: was sort crazy. of imagining that, like, I, I feel like I hear about Slack so much in every the context oh. now that I just, just imagined it was in Slack just because it seems to have taken over everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, Slack is our internal engine, so that's what keeps us connected Australia.
0: Really? How long until Slack becomes the way you're chatting with the outside world, do you think?
1: Oh, I don't know. I don't I know, know if that's Slack's main goal. I think Slack wants to integrate all kinds of business functions, but I don't know if it'll ever want to be a consumer-facing thing. Um, they're right down the street from us, so we can walk, walk over
2: and ask for you.
0: <laughs> I bet. Here's my... If you do that, my wager is that that's already a thing.
2: Oh, Oh, that's interesting. All right. Like well,
0: based on absolutely nothing, just a to total guess.
1: Based on absolutely nothing. Based on the whole idea of Kleenex of chat, right. you have decided that Slack needs to fill a niche.
0: Yeah. They fill a lot of niches. I'm thinking that one's one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things about Slack is any time someone tweets at ninefold, we see that. So we we've seen you, Sean. So yeah. <laughs> every time you tweet at ninefold, all twenty six of us are reading it on yeah. Slack. So just keep that in mind
2: every you, time you talk to us. <laughs>
0: you know you just uh you just begged people to have fun with that.
1: Oh right? yes. <laughs> Thanks, Bridget. Bring it. (laughs) That's what I say.
2: Bring
0: it. Well, I guess the good thing about that is, like, what's the worst case that they have fun tweeting at Ninefold? And that that, that can only help, I I guess.
1: Oh, we'll have fun back with them. Like, don't worry. (laughs) Don't threaten me with a good time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, I've enjoyed it. If someone wants to connect with me on Twitter, I'm barely known. Thanks.